0: Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business. Whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs, Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the arena logo front and center on the fastest swimmers race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off the Block Swimming Podcast sent you.
1: Australia in four, the United States in five. Off
0: at the bottom, stubborn to Vapur, Slanger in sixth, then to the yellow line, Henry. wing
1: start. he always got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce, was short of Germany, was away well.
0: They'll go to the wall altogether, pick that one, Bloomer, in fact, ahead of Manuel, and Hirsch Emanja, what a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 press Now Henry is starting to come out. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in
1: 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last league Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes!
0: a victory. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Shannon Rollison podcast for another week. Joined by the man himself. Mr. Shannon Rollison. Shannon, how are you doing this week, mate? Good, thanks, Robbie. Yeah, uh, Yourself? Yeah, no, good, good. Um, staying out of trouble, which is always good, and keeping busy. Um, we were just talking before we started, um, and, and for anyone listening last week, they know that obviously Shannon was multitasking. He was delivering a, uh, an award-winning podcast at the same time as trying to do some cooking. Um, and what we didn't get to hear Shannon is the end result of that. How did that, did it, did it turn out good or do you think maybe it's best left to cook and podcast separately?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely the latter. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, um, I don't know what happened with the meat, but it didn't taste real good. And I thought it might've been, you know, blame, blame the cow, but, uh, or the butcher but nah pretty sure it was me (laughs) I mean that night everyone was just looking at me at the table going what have you done differently (laughs) quite a few things I did differently but the major one was try to do two things at once
0: yeah yeah I mean the I thought the podcast turned out well last week so I mean there's a silver lining there (laughs) oh that's good stuff so there you go people you know it's hard to do a podcast and Cook at the same time. Um, this week, Shannon, we're going to be talking about the art of coaching, which um, you know, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, I want to start off with a quote. So Mr. Vince Lombardi said, coaches who can, oh, coaches who can outline plays on a board are a diamond dozen. The ones who win get inside their players' minds and motivate. And I think that sort of for me typifies the art of coaching. Um, we can talk about, we talked about technology and sport last week and obviously it plays its part, but um, at the end of the day, if if the swimmers aren't motivated and you know, we're not working together and inside their minds, it's probably not going to happen. Um, when you hear that sort of title, the art of coaching, as I said, for me, what Vince Lombardi sort of outlined is perfect to that. What what comes to your mind in terms of the art of coaching?
1: Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Definitely that, you know, Vince Lombardi's... Um, you know, record speaks for himself and all his great sayings and stuff and I know remember Ken Woods was a big fan of of him but um yeah if I as soon as you mentioned that I it just you know five or six swimmers popped up in my head and um there was no doubt that um I was able the relationship that we had as an athlete coach relationship uh wasn't one that you can just walk down the road and replicate, you know? So, um, um, I would think wholeheartedly that, that rings true. Um, so, you know, um, being able to understand and be sort of trying to be one step ahead, you know, that sort of thing you've really got to know the people you're working with. um. And then the second thing that comes to mind is sort of the art of coaching. This sort of goes back, uh, you know, back pre-2000, um, was understanding the science and then being able to work out who needs what, um, applying that science and, and not just sort of uh, treating everybody the same. So that's the, that's the second part of what I would I would say um if you had to pick one it's probably the, you know getting inside their head
0: yeah well at the end of the day that's you know obviously we can get them ready physically behind the blocks but if their brain's not switched on to go out and execute that um as i'm you know as we're all probably going through at the moment you know we have some we just had um competition on the weekend up here in sydney shannon metros which you guys have country champs we have the metropolitan champs and it's interesting just watching the swimmers that sort of listen and go about their business and then the swimmers who, you, you know, you're doing virtually the same things, but you get a completely different result. So just left there sort of scratch in your head going, what's happening here? So yeah, no, definitely, definitely the mindset is, is a big one. Um, I've got lots of different things that I've written down today because I want to go through it and I, I sort of don't want to leave um, any stone unturned. One thing I wanted to ask you about, is there, a, you know, you've been a man on many teams. So obviously we'll get to some of your sort of probably achievements and ones where you look back. And I think every coach probably has a handful of moments where they're like, oh, I got that. Like I, I nailed that moment in that time. But you've been around coaches, you've been on teams. Is there Has there been a moment where you've been maybe just shoulder to shoulder with a coach or you, you might have sidled up next to someone because you wanted to hear what they were talking about? Um, not to you know, you might have just been curious to whatever it might be. Is if you heard any great speeches or, or good advice that a coach has given a swimmer before a an event, maybe at World Champs or or the Olympics, or could have just been you know up at Chandler at a, a weekend meet. But have you been privy to to any sort of special moments where you're like shit? That was that was actually really really good.
1: Uh <clears throat> no. Nothing that really comes off the top of my head. Um, was, oh, there is one, but probably can't repeat it. <laughs> um, and, and and you know, like when you're on teams and stuff, you, you're just moving around so much, yes. and, and um, so very rarely would you be standing near anybody. But this one particular time in 2009, I was um and it was a coach that i'd known for a long long time and um he said to me um after you know the athlete walked off to go and race he said "It's the only way i can get her going you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh to rev her up sort of thing so um but um yeah it's definitely horses for courses you know and um yeah, you know, what you would say to a team, um, is, you know, a relay is quite different to what you'd say individually. Yeah. Um, so.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question. Have you been involved in a great team speech? Have you been sitting in a team, you know, getting ready and maybe the head coach comes out and, and gives a bit of a rah-rah speech, not right before we're not playing footy here, but maybe, you know, during camp or something like that, is there? Is there a, a a speech that maybe you heard that stands out to you or did have you given one that you thought i nailed that geez i I smashed that out of the park
1: yeah um yeah again it's not like footy is it yeah yeah with uh relays you know i've had plenty of relay teams um for australia and denmark and um you know the pinnacle is obviously Olympics. I've had five Olympic relay teams. And um, the last thing I always say is uh, what a relay's is a- about, mm. you know, and um, and I think nine times out of ten, um, this may not have happened the first time I asked that question, but um, <laughs> they all knew the answer after, um, was to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And my point with that was always to um, – you know, relays are about having fun and um, and it's the one time that we get together as a collective group um, and they, yeah, everyone loves doing relays and I just felt uh, the first time I, I said it, 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 yeah, it wasn't a planned thing, it was just, you know, I was talking and that and I, I just wanted to take the um, edge out of the moment and um, and so after i spoken about, whatever I was speaking about, um, I just asked that question and um, I just reminded them all, you know, and I think, um, you know, Patria Thomas and Sarah Ryan, you know, two older athletes at the time, and then I had um, Alice and Jodie, two young, young ones. So this would have been probably, you know, Commonwealth Games 2002. And it, it worked well, and then I just kept... Uh, that was just the common thing every time I, I spoke, whether I was at Commonwealth Games, World Champs, or an Olympics, mm. and it always put a smile on their face as well. And the, so they left me with a, you know, um, a smile on their face. And um, you know, nine times out of ten, you do things well when you're enjoying the moment. And um, you know, whether that would be the right thing to, to say to a group of blokes, you know. I, I haven't had a relay team for my, for men, so but I definitely think uh, for the girls, uh, for the women's team, it was um, a positive, positive. Yeah. Um, and that's you know completely on you know the, the flip side of a rah rah you know um, type speech. So um, the other thing, uh, you know, I can remember, yeah. You know, Tom o, um, he could give a good speech. Um, Don Talbot. But they would be normally, those types of talks with the whole team, you know, yeah, we'd be in pre-camp, you know. So, um, there was, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but probably the jewel in the pool would be the only time that you'd have a real rah-rah type, you know, where you've got a two-hour window, everyone's about to swim. Um, So that'd be the only time in swimming where I think that'd be the, the way to go.
0: Mm. Mate, in terms of coaches, <clears throat> now and, and I, I'm sort of uniquely qualified to have an opinion on this too, just in terms of interviewing so many coaches, but you know, you've been in and around them. What, what do you think makes some of the best coaches tick i do think there's a lot of individuality about it but also think there's some common themes as well in terms of what drives that coach to you know it's not easy it can be quite draining at times in terms of you know wanting in getting the best out of your athlete sounds simple doesn't it say the words and they get the response and but you know there's a lot of as you know time and energy and understanding and learning oh well shit. no that didn't work and finding the right times to say the right things, and it can be quite sort of draining. I think a lot of the best coaches go above and beyond to try and find the right formulas and work. What, what do you think, just in your terms of obviously for yourself, but also coaches you've been around, are there any sort of common themes that you see, common, you know, traits that's the best coaches and certainly the best sort of man managers and motivators? Because at, at times it can be really great technical coaches can't they but also then you know finding the the art of you know getting into the mindset i guess you know following along the lines of this podcast i'm sort of looking more in the mindset type you know is there common traits that you see with some of those coaches that are really good Um, man managers motivators. you mentioned tomo he was my coach and i think he sort of typifies probably you know getting the best out of swimmers mentally and and you know, driving home that message. What what about for yourself?
1: Um, I think no matter what you do, whether you're a swimming coach or um, I I often use the analogy of a dentist, which I'm going to tomorrow, um, (laughs) and I would say to my swimmers, yeah, you wouldn't go to a dentist who was inconsistent, would you, you know? Um, And I think... Consistency is the thing that sets, you know, really good coaches apart, you know, um, being able to turn up day, day after day, week after week, year after year, um, and have standards and, um, uh, you know, not being all over the place with, you know, your mood and letting your day influence your your, your work um so that c- level of consistency you know you've we've seen over the years some coaches that will have one great year or one good meet um and they, they're gone you know uh, and they've been in the sport for 20 years but you know the best coaches um stand the test of time and and you see it in footy probably more so than anything don't you you know um so uh, so that, for me, would be the one single thing that I think sets them apart. And and that isn't on race day, is it? That's the work you do Monday to Friday, yeah. um, which really, at the end of the day, um, gets the results. So um, that would be, and, and I think, it's the same with an athlete their level of consistency you know everyone can train well one week or one day two sessions or you know two sessions in a fortnight yeah <laughs> i have had some athletes that think that's that's really good uh, <laughs> so anyway
0: no, uh, I, I agree with you mate we literally i had a chat with one of my uh, older boys the other day 17 he's doing his hsc this year but he still wants to you know go to nationals and do well and we sort of went through his uh six or seven sessions and i told him out of ten i wanted him to rank how hard he's trying in each of these sessions and um you know we i think only had about two where there were eight out of ten so in, he, he was just sort of turning up he's ticking his body he was there he was saying i'm doing yeah. that but to your point that level of consistency and the work ethic um you know it's got to, it's got to match that for sure um you mentioned obviously football there um i'm going to segue a little bit for for now football's back this week mate the eels are the are, are, you, are you optimistic this year i mean people are talking about the eels sort of sliding down the ladder a little bit this year what, what are what are you thinking
1: yeah <laughs> history doesn't <laughs> You certainly wouldn't use the rule book or the history book to, to back them this year, would you? You know, um, 86 was the last time we won or they won. Um, yeah, they made the grand final in 09. I think they had a shocker in 10. Uh, made the grand final last year. I sort of thought that was the year. Lost a few players. Yeah.
0: It's going to be interesting. I'm I am excited. I do love my rugby league, as people know. They're playing the
1: Melbourne Storm tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Storm off. haven't
1: lost their first 20 years. Game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 20 years.
1: Yeah. I How's see Bellamy's uh, stepping back.
0: Well, he did. Yeah, he said that. He said, um, yeah, this will probably be my last year. He's never really confirmed. He just sort of some yeah. clause in his contract that if he wants to go another year, he can just tick a box and away he goes. Yeah but he did say on fox sports um they they asked him the question do you still love it craig and he paused and he said yeah yeah there's parts of it i really do love and there's parts that i i don't and i guess to your point when you're looking at that you just just to segue back to what you said about the the consistency and, and that grind i can only imagine at the level that he has to perform at as a head coach the the grind would be, you know, and what is he mid sixties now? So it's not as if he's, you know, he hasn't proven himself or done it. So he's got nothing to prove to anyone else. And I could imagine just even for the little things, I mean, you, you quite like talking to the media and playing it up a little bit. Sometimes I remember some of the games you told me you're playing with the, with, with Jody's results or whatever. Oh, yeah, no, she's going good. Oh, I don't know if she's going that great, you know, throwing off, but even for those sort of things, I could imagine for him, that'd be quite draining. Um, all those extra, I'm sure he probably loves still getting around the boys and coaching, but as you know, mate, you know, being the head coach and especially NRL is way bigger than swimming in terms of commercially. Yeah. There'd be a lot of draining things that we'd just be like, Oh really? All right. Put it, put the camera on. Let's go.
1: Yeah. And you know, like getting back to that, like, yeah, I've listened to Craig talk um, when I was working at AIS and um and to have that level of consistency requires a huge commitment, mm. um, and you know, I've I've said that to Elle and, and stuff. You know, it it does take its toll, um, and um, yeah, I think the the energy required for that commitment gets harder as you get older. Um. and you can just, yeah, that week in, week out, you know, the commitment, you know, if you want, a, you know, whether it be a football team or a, a swim team, you know, as in your your club or your squad or your one athlete, um you got to be as committed as them. And then you need people around you, you know, your your own support network to be committed to that commitment. so there's this knock-on effect um, to be able to repeat that level of performance um that probably really only is they're just starting to talk about um and uh, you know the pressure, to to perform you know because at the end of the day you can do a great job it doesn't doesn't mean uh the swimmer's going to swim well mm. or the football team's gonna you know plenty of coaches lose their job not because they haven't done a good job it's just they're the easiest ones to get rid of yeah so um yeah it's i often sort of i uh, ask myself um you know if, if my kids wanted to get into coaching I'd steer them clear <laughs> <laughs> which says a lot because yeah. I've wanted to be a coach since I was age 15 you know yeah. so but um yeah
0: no a little it's, bit sad yeah no look it, it I think the, the highs and the and the, the positives of our job are so rewarding that, we you know, we do put up with a lot of the the other stuff that in a lot of other industries they wouldn't be putting up with. You know, we're getting text messages late at night from parents. You've got to have these meetings. You've got to be talking to people. We're chatting to kids about their homework and their schooling. I mean, I'm not qualified to talk to a teenager about doing their homework. But, you know, we're, we're obviously playing that role of, you know, helping them and supporting them and motivating them. There's a lot of things that aren't in the job description when you sign the dotted line um, that, you know, you've got mates outside the industry, you talk to them and they're like, why are you doing that? Why would you be doing this? Oh, no, my phone's turned off after this. You can't turn your phone off. It just doesn't happen. That's when you start getting, you know, Threatening emails and stuff like that just doesn't work. So no, I think the rewards are, you know, sort of outweigh the negatives, which is why we're fools and we just keep coming back to it and keep chasing, chasing the dragons, as you say, until you get to slay them. Um I, I just want to circle back to something we talked about, and you sort of mentioned it when I said the art of coaching, and you said there's about five or six swimmers that you sort of came straight to your head. Obviously, and because it, it you know it comes back to I was talking about um a few of the other coaches that i think it was in rugby league that you know get fired or for whatever reason oh seabold it was anthony seabold that's what we're talking about so for obviously you know, anyone who's in britain listening to this or america i do apologize none of these names actually ring a bell to you so i do apologize but the, the message is very much the same for any sport it doesn't matter these coaches don't ever lose the the knowledge or the understanding of coaching and if they're a good coach they're still a good coach how important is it to marry up with the right athlete or the right team? You know, I think a lot of the time that's really important because, yeah. you know, you don't see the result and then it comes back to the car or the coach. Sometimes that just those personalities or the, you know, whatever it is doesn't gel, right?
1: Yeah. I think we still we still haven't got there really well enough, I, I think, in swimming. Mm. Um, we... Swimmers tend to move. Oh, that coach is going well with uh, that swimmer. That swimmer swims the same event as I swim. I'm going to go there. Yeah. You mightn't get along personally well at all, yeah. you know. Um. And, you know, you mentioned Seabolt. We we uh was on the Gold Coast a couple of weekends ago with um, Swimming Australia and, and they had a football come in and talk to us. And he talked about coaches and Seabolt, how a really really good technical coach, but it didn't gel with with the the team. And he mentioned it was the age of the team and the um, the experience of the team, and then the makeup of the team. So, um, so yeah, that was really interesting. And I think it's the same, you know. Um, You know, in football, they have, you know, backs coach or, you know, defensive coach, attacking coach. They've, you know, all, a whole number of people in different roles. You know, you, you wonder if that ever gets to that point in, in swimming, you know. Do you have a technical coach? Do you have someone who just works with them towards the end? You know, we we already know that there are some people who are good with older athletes. Some people are really good with yeah developing athletes earlier in the uh, the athletes career um we we haven't yet got to that point where um yeah that's probably a, a place where we could keep evolving as a sport mm. um maybe we haven't got to that point because of money you know because we haven't got the the backing of a big commercial type sport like football um yeah interesting
0: yeah oh they definitely they've got the backing of money this i don't think there's many things uh a rugby league player can't get their hands on in terms of access to nutritionists physios uh, psychologists sports psychologists whatever it might be whatever they need they click their fingers and they've got access to it around them i think in terms of um you know higher level of swimming i guess you know you guys have access to a little bit more but um yeah, no, definitely not Not to the level of rugby league, that's for sure. And again, apologies for those who don't follow rugby league. I'll move on from the rugby league talk now. Um, obviously, something for me that uh, when we talk about the art of coaching and something that I'm still very much learning to do and trying to do and sometimes we get right, sometimes we get wrong, is coaching individually in a group environment. Um, you mentioned just before you're starting to add something to your sessions and... At work, this is what they're doing and this is what those kids are doing. then some aren't even doing it at all, which sort of typifies exactly that sentence. you know, everyone's got a plan, but it's a group plan, but it's individualized. In terms of the art of coaching, how much does that come into that sentence into the art of coaching and, and being able to coach individually but in a group environment? because I've mentioned before, a lot of the coaches that probably listen to this podcast scoff a little bit sometimes at the things we say because they're coaching 35 to 40 kids in a group or or whatever it might be they don't have you know the luxury of having 10 or, or 8 in a squad so for them this really is a even more important role right trying to coach a little bit more individually in that group arena
1: yeah um the yeah like uh, as i was saying to you before we came on um, I'm adding Friday afternoon uh, for a, a period of time. um I've got a couple of athletes that'll definitely be doing that. I've got some athletes that'll come in and um, uh, and it'll be a little bit, you know the volume won't be the same. It'll be a little bit more technical, a little bit time to do that. And then I've got another group that won't come in, you know, because I, I I don't see that they need it. Um, so, It doesn't matter whether you've got 10 or 30 in your group. Um, You can't coach 30 individuals. You can't coach 10. So you've got to try and group it uh, the the best you can. And the other thing on that is um, until they start paying you $50 an hour, they don't deserve to get uh, (laughs) individualized. Mm -hmm. Um, When they're paying $50 a week, uh, you've got to keep that in mind. Yeah. Which I think works so, out about $2.40 an hour.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um as someone who's in got, the squad, you know, I've got my own business. Nicholas now, was talking I'm aware, about that. I'm well aware of the, the dollars and cents per, you know, yeah. we've got to get a learn to swim. That's 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 the key. That's where yeah. the money's in, it's a learn to swim.
1: So um so always keep that in mind when you when you're doing your head in. Mm-hmm. Um so But, you know, when I was at Chandler, you know, coaching 100 kids, um, you try to do the best by as many as you can. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, there's one thing for sure. Yeah, one of the best things I ever did was uh, have a parent um, night or afternoon, Um, and it was pretty early on. I think it was my second or third year I started doing it, and yeah, there was grumblings in the grandstand, you know. And um, I remember I was pretty young, and um, obviously, and uh, the committee were pretty, they were a bit worried, you know. And I said, no, no, they can ask any question they like, and you know, um, when they came in, I had two whiteboards full of information and planning and meets and all this sort of stuff and um it was one of the best things we did and in, in one of those talks you know i said i asked them the question as, as a group of parents do you want me to treat everybody the same oh yeah, yeah yeah you gotta treat everyone the same well that's the most unfair thing you can possibly do
0: <laughs> yeah
1: i said all right well if you want that i'm going to pick the best swimmer and we're all going to do that whatever that best swimmer needs Oh no, actually. <laughs> so um so anyway, yeah, so that's the worst thing you can do is try and treat everybody the same. Because <laughs> that's uh certainly well, in my view, not gonna end well. Um from a performance point of view and from a fairness point of view. So you just do the best you can. Um and you try not to spread yourself too thin, you know, like 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 uh, you know, don't take on, you know, if someone wants to come to your program and they're, you haven't got anyone in that program that does those sorts of events, don't take that person on. You know, oh, look, I'd love to train you, but this program isn't about that sort of type of swimming. I suggest you go and train with Robbie, you know, <laughs> and who's, who's into that, you know. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, spreading yourself too thin doesn't end well for anybody. And um, so... Uh, And, 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 you know, whether you're coaching 40 or 10, um, there's challenges in both. So, yeah, for anybody who thinks uh, it must be so much easier just coaching, you know, eight or 10 athletes, well, you know, sometimes it can be easier and other times it can be more difficult. Um, Sometimes coaching 40 is easy, you know, You just got to make sure they're all moving in the one direction and (laughs) you're just a traffic cop
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so they both have their challenges and um yeah so
0: i think we've talked about that too in terms of even competition if you've got 40 and you get you know 15 to 20 that do really well it's it's perceived as you've done pretty well but if you've got 10 yeah, And only four or five do well. It's so, well, hang on a second, what's happening in this squad? So I, yeah. can, I can imagine that the the magnifying glass uh, comes out a little yeah. bit more with a group, a smaller group. And just coming back to what we've just talked about there, coaching individually in a group environment, but that also brings me to, I would imagine the art of coaching also comes into play and having a really good team culture because it's kind of hard to have really good individual sort of relationships with these guys and have everyone sort of on board and happy and kumbaya if the team culture isn't isn't working as well how important is the team culture to the art of coaching because i would imagine it'd make the coaching part a hell of a lot harder if the team wasn't singing along and and heading in the same direction
1: yeah well it's impossible isn't it so and that's where one if the smaller the group the you know, the group dynamics has got to be really going well because, you know, if, if you've got, say let's just say you're coaching just four people yeah. and one's not happy, that's 25% of your group.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Now, if you're coaching 30 and one's not happy, that's a small voice in comparison. Mm-hmm. So that person, that one person is not happy, may be able to influence another t- one or another two. If that one person in a group of four influences one more person, that's half your group. Yeah. And if they're good and they influence two, you're in that's you're it. in deep water.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um I would say the smaller your group, the more important it, it, it is. Um so um yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, just in, have you got any sort of you know, unwritten rules in terms of like, if we, if I took you out of there today and put you in a new, a new facility with a new club and you had to create this new team culture, do you have a few sort of dot point, unwritten rules, things that are sort of um, non-negotiables in terms of creating that team culture? If you say, for example, you look at obviously Wayne Bennett, um, again, I'm getting back to rugby league, but it's only because I saw this quote the other day, which made me chuckle a little bit too. <laughs> He said, uh, I've only got two rules. Number one, don't be late. Cause if you're late, that means you think you're more important than the team and that's not yep. going to be happening in the team. Number two was don't go to, don't find yourself in jail. Um, and he said, but I'm willing to compromise a little bit on the jail part if I need you to play on the weekend. So I thought that's what made me chuckle a little bit. But the, the don't be late part, I think, um, has, you know, Wayne Bennett written all over it. And I think for a lot of coaches, that sort of stuff. And But do you, do you have, in terms of for, for a team culture, for the, you know, maybe there's someone listening to this that's starting to think, oh, I'm seeing some fractures within the group here. Maybe this isn't heading the right way sort of all doom and gloom, but, you know, as coaches, we're always sort of observing and we can see oh, maybe the, the ship's starting to veer off course a little bit here. Do you have some dot points that you go back to like, no, these are non-negotiables. If you want a good team, these have to be working.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I have two. I th- well,
0: was the second one. Don't find yourself in jail. <laughs> no, no.
1: My, they're both pretty similar. Yeah. Um, no dickheads. Yep, and manners. And if you haven't got either of those, you won't last. You, w- you wouldn't last very long with me. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, listen, we, we, I've known you for a few years now, so it must. I, I must go. All right, then. I must. I must pass the no dickhead policy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what other people say, but according to Shannon, I do. So, well done. Thank you, Shannon. Better about myself now. Um, now, have you got any quote? now? I'm going to throw a few quotes out there because, um, I know coaches love quotes, right? Uh, they love writing it on the board. Um, so I'll say a few of mine and then I'll give you time to think if you've got one or two because I don't want to put you on the spot. Um,
1: can I just yeah. hold you for one sec? Yeah, I want to get this quote right.
0: Okay, I just got to go grab it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so Shannon, just for everyone listening, has left the studio, he's going to get his quote. While he's off, because dead silence is never good for podcasts or radio, uh, one of the quote is, work hard in silence, let success make the noise. Uh, I've always liked that one. This one's from Nelson Mandela. I never lose, I either win or learn. And I think that's always a really good one, especially for the swimmers to... To hear because so much of these days is about success or failure. So I like that one from Nelson Mandela, Shannon. The I never lose, I win or I learn. And, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and then Shannon's back now. So have you got it?
1: Yeah.
0: All right, hit me. Hit me.
1: Excellence does not require perfection. You like that one? Yeah, I've had that one for about. It'd have to be 10 years. Mm -hmm. could be, what year are we in? 2023. (laughs) Probably probably more like 12. So I remember I had it towards the end of the AIS years. Mm -hmm. And it meant a fair bit to me because sometimes um, I, yeah, I was chasing perfection too much. Um, And it just resonated with me when I heard it. uh, there's lots of good ones, you know, uh, but it just, it just allowed me to, you know, just come down a little bit and just go, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, um,
0: yeah. I think there's probably a lot of, that's something um, just in terms of me doing the podcast and speaking to a lot of people, the, the people who are the best in, in what they do, do strive for what you're talking about so the perf the perfection doing it to the best they don't really settle for anything second best so i, I can understand that um yeah
1: it's just a good reminder you know yeah. like because you can just sort of tend yourself around the the loop sometimes
0: another good one Shannon. i don't know if you heard this one from justin langer which um is the was the australian cricket coach here in australia the pain of discipline is nothing like the pain of disappointment yeah i always like that one especially in the middle of a training session when the kids are you know they're they're red-faced and puffing and blowing and they're looking at you like they've got nothing left and i always try and bring that one out that the you know what you're going through right now is nothing compared to the pain of the disappointment you're going to feel if you don't push through this, this point. Um, what about this one? The best view comes after the hardest climb.
1: Oh yeah. You like that That's one? an oldie.
0: That's an oldie. And then success isn't owned. It's leased and rent is due every day. <laughs> there you go. You like that one? Yeah. <laughs> that one? Write them down people. Write those down. I just know co- coaches love quotes. Um, now coming back to, um, what for we and i said we'd circle back to this in your coaching career you mentioned four, you know five people that came to mind when you spoke about the art of coaching is there is there a moment or a, obviously a period of time where you feel like that was in terms of psychologically and understanding the swimmer and and you know feeling like Do you know what i don't want to pat myself on the back here but I'm probably the only one who could get these results out of this swimmer mentally at this time. Is there a, is there a story or a period of time that comes to mind in terms of that sort of stuff, mentally working with the swimmer, understanding them, learning the ins and outs and.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of stories. Um, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, I think there's probably moments where, um, you know, like, like some athletes, you, you know, you coach them for six, seven, eight years and it took a while to get to that point, you know, and you don't always get to that point. Um, but I certainly think, you know, I, uh, yeah, obviously Jodie, um, although if you had a asked me at that yeah when I was coaching her huh? I probably wouldn't have thought so and I didn't think so it's only when I look back retrospectively that I sort of started to realize um and um I was I was a bit surprised that there was people around when when um yeah when she There was about six months where she trained with John, Fowley, who's you know great coach, and um, we all know that. And I I couldn't see any reason why she wouldn't keep going well, and 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 you know um, fully supported it. Um, I didn't want her to leave the AOS, and uh, so that was that sort of first six months of two thousand six, but it turned out things didn't go that well. Um and the number of people that came up to me, and they were, you know, coaches, admin people yeah. um who were saying, you gotta coach her again, you know. And um I, I was a bit surprised by that. And and then and since, you know, and, and history tells us, you know, I wasn't I, I ended up coaching her again, obviously. So um but I was surprised at that. Uh, but then also, you know, especially in the last sort of probably ten years, the amount of times you reflect back or you think and you know yeah, it's just I find it quite funny that I didn't recognise it at the time. Now I don't know whether I was just too young or I was just I was just in the moment, you know. Yeah. So um but I certainly look back and go, wow, you know, it really was um, something out of the park. Um, and then, uh, you know, like Blinda Hocking, you know, a, a fellow really, I coached her really well. Um, wasn't the easiest uh, person to coach at times, but got along really well with her. Um, knew how to sort of hit those Switch the switcher on hit mm. those buttons. Mm. Um, and and yeah, obviously, uh, Alice Mills, um, the uh, yeah, Janetta. Um, I reckon, um, uh, Rega to to an extent, but I would have liked to have coached Rega for longer to really have, um, got to it i think could have got to a, a better level again um maybe not but um yeah so and then you know tani white although it took me a long t- time um i think you know maybe i'm being a bit hard on myself but yeah i was surprised she kept kept putting up with me <laughs> it took about three years to get a pb <laughs> but we we just had a really good relationship away from the pool as well so I think it was probably part of that um, um yeah I mean looking back even before that you know people like Greg Shaw and 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 uh people that yeah you, know, you don't have to ha- you don't have to they don't have to be like a a, a, a top international swimmer to have coach someone really well you know there's um there's certainly people that no one would know um, who I look back on, who I coached for like six, seven, eight years. That I felt I did a good job with those people. So, and, and the thing about and the, one of the good things about coaching is if you're trying your best with everybody, you're that's how you you get become a better coach. Yeah, you know, coaching is not something you switch on and switch off. And I, too many coaches sort of put in more effort with better athletes um so to speak and I've, I've even had young coaches I remember someone saying this to me 20 years ago um and they're about my age and you know um and I thought I walked away and I thought mate you're missing the good swimmers they're, they're just coming and going and you're not spotting them because you you think you you think you can tell yeah. you know. just put in your best effort with everybody and sometimes people will surprise you, you know. Mm. Um, so, uh, and at the, at the very least, you you'll be a better coach for the people that you've worked with. So, um, yeah. So
0: it sort of brings me to a question a little bit left of centre from this. Um, comes to mind the, the song of Kenny Rogers, the, you know, the gambler. You got to know when to hold him. You got to know when to fold him. Is there ever a moment in your coaching where you think, you know what, I don't know if this working relationship is actually in the benefit of either you or myself anymore? And and we look to move those swimmers on, or It doesn't have to be in a in a nasty way, it doesn't have to be in a, a big blow up, but it might be in a, a conversation where you say, Do you know what? Look, I, I think maybe either they've outgrown the program or they're not heading in the same direction where you might be. Um, you know, I'm just looking at the art of coaching. I would imagine the art of coaching is understanding your team and, and what they need. And it, is it always yeah. what's best? Do, do you know what I'm trying to say here?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I think, um, yeah, you know, Uh I've coached quite a few people actually, around that 10-year period, and, um, um, yeah, the one that comes to mind was Alice, um, a coach of 12 years, and that was really hard in the end, you know, and I, yeah, felt that she needed to move before she did, probably 12 months before she did, but she she didn't want to, you know, um, she couldn't see that... And I just felt like I just didn't know where to go anymore, you know. Um, and um, you know, Greg Shaw, I coached for 12 years, a lot of people were in that eight to 10. Um, but you know, what I do think is that not everybody, um, needs to be, you know, like some people just come in and it might be two or three years and then they need to move on for whatever reason. Uh, you've you've um taught them something they've moved on as an athlete but your program now isn't still what they need mm. um and i think it's all okay you know and i don't think um it's always done very professionally you know um it doesn't like certainly you know i if i ever felt someone was thinking about moving i, I would never try to keep them because yeah, because it's, it's it's better that they leave on good terms than bad terms, you know, and I think one of the worst things is, yes, an athlete will be with, with someone for seven years or five years or four years and, and, and going great and they were at this level and that coach has taken to a completely new level and, and then, um, you know, for whatever reason they have a bad season and then, um, you know, this the, the swimmer will move to another coach and then oh yeah it was disastrous you know i'm so much happier you know what i mean they're yes. getting an interview and you're thinking you couldn't have been that unhappy <laughs> it was six or seven years with this person yeah it doesn't need to be why isn't it yeah it was great um but i needed a change most of the time it's just you need to need to change like how many times we've all been to school we didn't have the same teacher every year did we yeah, yeah exactly so, um yeah getting back to coaching is a difficult uh job you know so um and at the end, sometimes you just need someone else to say the same thing you just need a different environment so um yeah
0: yeah no you're not wrong i mean with the amount of coaching uh professional development and all that sort of stuff that's out there it would be hard to imagine that if you went on you know a different pool deck in australia or in certainly let's keep it just to australia um that you're seeing completely different things at every different program i would imagine there'd be a common theme throughout it, mm. you know generally speaking similar sort of um you know ideology so as you said, you know, it's not as if they've gone somewhere else. I'm like, oh, my God, my whole world's been turned up. So this is so much better than before. Yeah. Um, so, no, you're right. And, you know, maybe that, that some of it just comes to hurt feelings at times or immaturity or unprofessionalism, because you do hear some of them say what you said, like it was just time for a change or, or whatever it might be. But, no, you do, you know, yeah, certainly behind the scenes, sometimes you hear it, don't you, like... Oh, it's so much better now. And As you said, like, well, it couldn't have been that bad. You were there for quite a while.
1: (laughs) You weren't (laughs) chained.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could leave at any time. Exactly, exactly. Um, I've got one question that's pretty, um, I I guess, uh, common with with a lot of swimmers. It's probably certainly more uh, in the developing junior swimmers, but I, I could imagine at a certain level it would be there as well. I think we've touched on this topic before, whether that was on the podcast or privately. But the fear of failure. So this is where I'm assuming that art of coaching really, really sort of kicks in, uh, and trying to, to you know persuade or, or to help the kids understand. Um, when I say those things, the fear of failure, um, you know what sort of comes to your mind and then do you have ways is it very individualized in how you go about trying to sort of coach the swimmers or the athletes around that to sort of have them not feeling when they're behind the blocks well don't fuck this up don't fuck this up instead of thinking about the process and and following it through
1: yeah for me um that's why i've always been an avid you know uh, believer and um yeah when there was yeah when we were AIS the rule was you are you're either earning or learning, you know. And um, um so basically you had to be going to uni or you had to have a job. And if you're doing neither of those things, bye bye. Um because I think you don't want someone behind the block going, you know it's this or nothing, you know, so you've got to have a balanced approach and a balanced life, you know, you, you want to have something, an interest outside of the sport, you know, talking about being a swimmer now, um, something to do with life after swimming, you know. Um, you don't want to be in the sport thinking I've got nothing else to do, this is it, if I fail, I'm a you know, I'm a failure. Yeah. You want to be able to race and if things don't go how you, you want, you gotta have enough around you that your whole identity isn't just that you the athlete. Um you know if you got you obviously yeah people are in relationships so there's many strings <coughs> strings to your bow. And you know we've all got that and um hopefully we've we've you know those bows are nice and strong and and can support um whether things go well or not you know um and uh so and, and having said that i think it's just as important for coaches to be doing the same thing there's, there's no point in you preaching that as a, as a um as a coach saying you know you got to be you have other things in your life other than just swimming and um you know a hobby or an interest outside of the sport um yeah, you know, relationship, uh, blah 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 blah. Whatever. If you're saying that as a coach to your athletes, you got to be walking the walk as well. You know. Mm-hmm. So I've always tried to do that, and I've you know um, always had sideline interests and things, um, cars and you know, and bike riding, whatever, and you know. I'll- qualified artist, so you know draw or paint and things like that so um actually just sold one of my cars getting getting picked up tomorrow um the uh and and you know as a coach if if you've got those things um because you know you turn up to the swim meet let's say it's olympic trials or age nationals or whatever yeah. you know there, there's a there's a a fear of failure there as a coach, isn't it? You know, um, you've got the season on the line or the last four years on the line um, if it's an Olympic trials and um, blah, blah, blah. So you've got to be calm and collected in the moment as well, you know, um, and and if you like that, you're going to be making better decisions. Um, So I always say, you know, uh, being an athlete and being a a coach, the two, they run parallel, so... Um, and not enough times as coaches that, you know, we, we stop and take stock of that side, um, and you can get easily get wound up in everybody else and forget about yourself. Um, so I think it's getting better that side of things. Certainly other things in coaching isn't getting better. Um, but, uh. I think people are a little bit more aware of it. I'm not sure how, how much they're going about changing it though. So
0: yeah. Well, look, I think I can only speak for myself, but even as you're mentioning it there, I'm putting myself in that position thinking, I think, Oh shit, that's me. I (laughs) could he's talking about me there in terms of, you know, there's no, there's no way of sort of getting ready, get to nationals. You're like, everything's on the line here. And you're, as you said, you're preaching to them, you know, keep it cool, relaxed. Uh, we try our best. I like to think I'm a pretty good actor, but in the background, there's that noise of like, Oh, here we go. If you don't get it today, you know, this. So no, for sure. I, th- I think it's uh, it's great advice in terms of having something outside of what you're doing, um, whether it's golf, whether it's a yeah. different hobby, whether it's, you know, podcast, um, whatever it might be um, in terms of external Pressure for the for the athletes, and I'm talking now, obviously, um, probably parents or things like that. You know, we've we've all got swimmers who have, you know, we're saying the right things and doing the right things, but maybe they're getting pressure from another angle. Is that just come back to education in terms of those sort of group chats that you spoke about when you were back at Chandler, getting everyone together and trying to educate as much as look, we can lead the horse to water, we can't make the you know the horse yeah. drink, but. It, it would that does that come back to that? Because I'm sure everyone listening has those sort of similar situations where, you know, we're trying to do it, but then you know you might have um, a parent, you know, behind the scenes saying, "Oh, look, you can get a medal this weekend." Yeah. And like, why the hell did we just say that? Now that's all that kid's going to think about for the next week and a half is that they have a chance of getting a medal. Which, as I said, and I've said this before, the parents don't know that they're doing it for that reason. Um, I'm sure there's a small percentage that are, are probably a little bit too harsh and do push that way. More a small percentage. I would. I, I think it's smaller <laughs> than than we think. I think, in general speaking, I think a lot of parents are just, i to say, ignorant to it. But they just, they just don't know what they're doing or saying. They feel that they're saying and doing the right things. Yeah. They don't. You know. They're not doing it for. Some parents don't care. You, you you can say to them, hey, listen, that's a no, no, I'm I'm so, so, all right. Well, I can't yeah. can't change how you're gonna behave. Um, but yeah, is is it is it just come back to education with with the parents or or outside influences, shall we say?
1: Yeah, well, it certainly was. That was my motivation for getting them all in the room. Um and I think it's even harder. It's harder now because they're on the internet they're, Everyone's posting stuff and they're trolling, and
0: even just a text message, you yeah, could get a message right before your race.
1: Um, you know, parents questioning coaches for their decisions on every little thing. And you know, um, I had a coach to say to me, uh, this week, you know, and I think it was really good, you know, that they challenged the. The parent, I don't feel you you are backing me. I don't think you've got any confidence in me. Mm. Um, You need to think about what your best options are, you know. So um, the, uh, yeah, I think it's harder because of technology um, and the best parents in my experience and opinion are the ones that just parent and leave the coaching to the coaches mm. and the less they say and do the better um because the more they're they're in to the the child, the less you can do yeah so many of times I said that when I was at Chandler and stuff so um so yeah. The uh, anyway, it's it's, it's probably that, yeah. You you can work on it to a point, like you say, um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, champion uh, athletes have champion parents, and um, yeah, the, the two don't always go hand in hand, so yeah.
0: No, nah, for sure. As I said, you know, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a dynamic that we're constantly, it's a part of our job, especially uh, at the level that I coach at um, and it's just a part of it. And yeah, it's just something you got to constantly be working on. And yeah. I think that's one thing Shannon, I've realized, I feel like in certain periods of time, I've done a good job with it. Like similar to you, you know, we've done a, a big chat and we've got everyone on board and I feel like, so there was a group of swimmers that came through that learnt the right way. And then, you know, for, I'll put my own hand up. I got a little bit complacent and lazy. So then the next generation that came through didn't quite have the same messaging. So then you're letting some bad habits slip through. So, um, I think, you know, to your point, it's, it's all about consistency and making sure that same message is out there. And at the end of the day, as you said, that's sort of all we can do, right? We can't really, yeah. we can't really do any more than that. Um, I, I'm interested you're someone who is very, um, i think knowledgeable and, and likes to look outside of the sport as well and get uh, inspiration from other things or other sports or you know whatever it might be um, so i, I was going to do a top five um sort of master motivators that that you know come to my mind um, across all sports i'm not going to do swimming because i think sometimes swimming can be subjective um, i did a, a top four coaches i think i told you this once i did a mount rushmore and Man, did I get caned for it online with you? Oh, you didn't put this coach, you didn't put that coach, or how could you leave this coach? I'm like, well, for starters, I wasn't born when that coach was coaching. So how the <laughs> hell am I supposed to know? <laughs> so I'm staying away from coaching, right? from swimming. I mean, I'm staying away from swimming. Um, so my, my top five are uh, Wayne Bennett, uh, Craig Bellamy, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, um, Bart Cummings, which I know is a strange one, but oh, you yeah. know when you look at longevity and success over a long period of time, obviously his systems that he had set up um, were, were right. And then Phil Jackson, um, you know, great basketball coach over in the NBA. Um, and, and my point to those ones, Shannon, is more to your point in consistency and long, long, you know, over a long period of time, having success really no matter where, they went I mean, Craig bellamy had been at the Melbourne Storm for a long time, but he's still um, the crop of players each year changes, and every year um, people say, "Oh, this is the year they're going to be out," and they finish, you know, second or something, and people just go, "How's he still doing that?" So, I feel like that's a little bit um, similar in that regard. But when you think of sort of master motivating coaches. Um, in terms of just sport in general, other than the five, or is is one of those five that I mentioned someone that you really sort of respect?
1: Um, well, Bart Cummings—he was really good with parents, wasn't he?
0: <laughs> well, it's true. He well, well, owners. How about we call it? That's the, that's really the owners, isn't it? Yeah, it's Bart. It. You, you can imagine the owners would be in the ears telling, <laughs> "Well, I saw this and I saw that," and you can imagine Bart just being. Like, Why are you telling me what you see? You just give me the money and I do the training. Please, leave leave me alone. So that's a similar thing. But, yes, good one, Chana. I like that joke. Well done. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
1: those two guys, Yeah, those two football coaches, um, you know, speak for themselves. Mm. Um, The uh, Peter Jackson...
0: Phil Jackson. Bill
1: Jackson, is it? Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Peter Jackson directed um, Lord of the Rings, didn't he?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Cigarette company, and <laughs> there was a footballer called Peter Jackson. There you go. Um, the um, yeah, I'm not into basketball that much, so I don't know who he coached, yeah. but um,
0: well, he coached Chicago Bulls. Yeah. When they were at the okay, so I know,
1: this. I know them. I know them. So he's pretty good then.
0: <laughs> he went all right.
1: Yeah, obviously we uh, swimming coaching we could, yeah, probably list twenty. So, um, well, that's
0: why. Yeah, I do have a list, but as I said, I don't want to
1: Herb Elliott's coach, um, Percy. What is his last name? Can't remember now. He was very good. Yeah, he talked about people that out, think outside the box and all that sort of stuff. Um, someone who's listening, will know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Percy, he was doing, yeah, sand running and all sorts of stuff, you know. Um, And then, you know, uh, I read Sebastian Coe's um, book when I was in the UK um, and it was all about the London, you know, getting the London Olympics, you know, um, how they won that bid. And he kept reverting it back to um, his athletics career and stuff like that. And he was talking about his father was his coach and his father was an athletics coach. And, um, uh, and, you know, he's not any great motivator, I don't think, or anything like that. But I really liked how he thought about all the elements of technical elements. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, two examples, until... Yeah, you know, Sebastian was uh, fully matured, he'd just run him in hills and stuff, wouldn't let it, Yeah, you know, because he was worried about the impact of running. Um, and then when they do their road running, he wouldn't allow him to run on the side of the roads. He'd run down the middle. So he'd run him very early in the morning or late at night when the traffic wasn't around mm-hmm. because he didn't want to, he, the camber of the road to affect his technique. Mm-hmm. Um and there were a couple other and then he trained him in a more uh, less is more way yep. rather than the big miles that a lot of people were doing in those days so we're talking you know 70s and 80s um and i, I really got a got a lot out of that this uh, reading that and um so but i mean apart from that um yeah Angelo Dundee, Muhammad Ali's coach, mm-hmm. um Gusta Marto, Mike Tyson's coach, and Gusta Marto coached yeah, a lot of people. Um yeah. wasn't just Mike Tyson. And same with um uh Angelo Dundee, you know, so it's Sugar Ray Lennon and things like that. So um
0: you can imagine coaching, um, sorry to jump in, but like boxers, there's some big personalities and egos there. So yeah. you're talking about the art of coaching that, it, <laughs> and being switched on, like you've got to be a killer. So if there's a, there's an element of fear when you step into the ring. I think, you know, I was talking to a swimmer about this the other day. Imagine being, going into the octagon. And if you think for a second I I hope this goes well it's (laughs) probably not going to go well for you uh which uh, you know we know there's got to be a winner and loser so it it always you know balances out and and inevitably someone is thinking like that but yeah you could you could imagine being a, a boxing coach especially if someone like Mike Tyson now we we know um He's, he's he's let's colorful character he's a, a colorful character yeah let, just in case he listens because i don't want to upset mike tyson <laughs> um but you, yeah he's a colorful character so you could imagine managing that especially back then when he was younger and coming through the testosterone the ego yeah, yeah. that would have taken some coaching for sure
1: yeah it'd be an inter- interesting dinner table wouldn't
0: it <laughs> you could imagine
1: oh. and muhammad ali the prettiest man in the world
0: <laughs> you could be, yeah, well that you know, He's, he's the greatest. So you can imagine he, he would have had, you know, his own sort of ego and bravado to, to deal with. I guess yeah. in terms of swimming, we don't really deal with that as much in terms of maybe the sprinters that sort of have to have that sort of shoulders back, chest out, um, you know, mentality. But, you know, boxers, are, they're very they're very wired differently, aren't they? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And they've got a lot more money.
0: Oh, that's true. That is true. Well, the good ones do anyway. I don't, know. I don't know how much the ones that just get knocked out all the time make, but yeah, uh, these days we're living in a different world, Shannon, too. Because you know, you can be a social media star and uh, and just call out a boxer, and if the boxer thinks you're going to make a lot of money with them, where they go. You look at Jake Paul, who could who can fight. He just lost, yeah, um, but that. but you know, he still is making lots of money. Um, you know, we're living in a different time.
1: Mm. Much so, different.
0: Much different social media. Social <laughs> media. I've got a swimmer who's very sort of let, let's just say she's getting bigger on TikTok. right So I'm sure you're very across TikTok, Shannon. I can just Is that a clock? I can just imagine. Anyway. Uh and she said uh, she said, I got into the pool in the backstroke. And anyway, she looks, and the girl next to her was looking at her, and then they swam and she got out. And she goes, Oh, are you? so-and-so from tiktok and she's like oh yeah yeah i am <laughs> so and i was like well, it's bloody hell like that and she's like you know my swimmers they go all right but they're certainly not of note for people to be like back in the old days you, if you're you, were, you were to be next to an olympian to be like oh sh- i'm next yeah. to you know had a girl once race emily seabomb in 100 backstrokes. she's like oh how am i going to race emily seabomb these days you got a social media following and all of a lot of some people are, oh look i'm next to so-and-so from tiktok so it's a completely different uh, yeah, different time that we're living in, right or wrong.
1: Too right depends, about
0: that. Yeah, right or wrong. It depends on what age you are, I think. Depends on whether you think it's the right age or the wrong. <laughs> um, all right, mate, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for yeah, uh, no,
1: thanks, Robbie. It was
0: shedding good. some light on the art of coaching. And I thought it was a good topic to come around. Um, I think there's many different reasons and, you know, ways that people are really good at what they do. but I think we can all agree that the ones that do it best consistently, as we've talked about, find the way to to motivate their athletes, whether they're swimmers or footballers or whatever it is. And we covered a, a range of topics there and hopefully people again got something from it, mate. So, and hopefully you enjoyed it and didn't just waste an hour of your time while you're sitting there waiting to to go make your your dinner and get it ready.
1: <laughs> nah, I'm all over it. <laughs>
0: So, Shannon know not
1: to do two things at once. Yeah. So,
0: for the listeners, Shannon's going to make it now. So, we'll we'll get a bit of a feedback next week, and if it goes really well, then obviously we've got the the key to the success is yeah, one thing at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Um, dear man. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you to all the listeners for joining us once again. Hopefully, as I said, you got something out of it. You enjoyed it. Have a great weekend. Uh, Hope you enjoy it and we'll see you all back here again next week on the Shannon Rawlison Podcast. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Thanks, everyone. See you at New South Wales Open. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids. And use the promotion code OFFTHEBLOCKS for a 10% discount at checkout.